I hate to be the one to say it, folks, but it's time for you to get a life. Life insurance, I mean. Don't be so sensitive. 100% of us will die, but over 40% of us have no coverage when that time comes. Term, whole life, universal life, whatever life, just get a life. And this show, we are going in. What's up? My name is Sean. And I'm Arlington. So, Sean, why are we talking about life insurance this week? Arlington, as you know, I'm all about slow, consistent growth and creating and maintaining generational wealth while protecting your assets. I believe life insurance is the first step in doing these two things. And I believe people need to stop living a generational selfish life and think about the next generation. So I'm encouraging people to wake up and get a life. Well, there you have it, people. Get a life. Two black guys with good credit. We'll be back. Dion, the lady with the facts, can you please give us a little history on life insurance? Surely, Arlington. But before we get into that, I thought we should actually figure out exactly what is life insurance. You're going to give me a definition. I feel it coming. Yes, I am. So just to keep it very simple, life insurance is a protection against the loss of income that would result if the insured passed away. Gotcha. So that is the concept of life insurance, and it actually dates as far back as ancient Rome, 100 BC. So there was a guy, his name was Caius Marius. The brother. Well, very, <laughs> very strong name, I will, I will agree. Uh, he was a Roman military leader. So he created what they call these burial clubs for, uh, for his troops. So, I love when you say burial because the Canadian just comes <laughs> right out. It. But basically the idea was, should one of their club members pass away, the other members would actually cover the expense of their uh, funeral expenses. So then these clubs actually be, started becoming very popular and started popping up all over because for the Romans, it was very important that the person or the, the member of their club was buried properly or you'd have a very unhappy ghost. So it was very well embraced by the military, by the government, or your burial club, whichever, whichever one comes first. So I'm just going to fast forward, guys. So let's jump to 1759. The first life insurance corporation uh, came to America. And that was actually uh, the Presbyterian Synod of Philadelphia that was created to benefit the Presbyterian ministers and their dependents. So that, my friends, is how it all began. Well, there you have it. The city of brotherly love brought insurance to America. Sean, big question. Why do I need life insurance? For four main categories why you need life insurance. For a survivor's income, like leave something behind for the people that you love, you know? The next is you can use it to help pay off your mortgage. And next, you can use it to help pay off your debt. And, you, and also, you can use it for your children's or your, you know, your loved one's education, future education. And then, you know, bear yourself, pay for yourself. You know, don't put that burden on somebody else. Okay, so you're saying I basically need it to cover expenses once I kick the bucket. Yeah, it? but, you know, to me, you can, it's, I believe you can also use it for, to help, you know, initiate generational wealth or continue the wealth building in your, within your family and, and loved one. Okay, so how do I go about getting this insurance? What's the process? 
Uh, there's so many different ways right now. You can look, th you, sometimes some companies offer it, your work offers it. Um, you can go online and you can research different life insurance companies. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. I wouldn't say it's a difficult process. They do medical examinations to see how healthy you are. And then they determine a rate and you determine how much you want to insure for. And, and, and that's it. When you say they determine a rate, what you're really talking about is something called a premium. A premium, yes. Okay, so premium. what affects your premium? Your, how healthy you are, mm -hmm. how long they expect you to live, so basically how old you are. Okay. Um, those are the main factors, and, and your lifestyle. Okay, so once I get, I need to have a healthy lifestyle, not do anything crazy, and that will determine what my premium will be. Right, stay away from smoking. It's a big deter deterrent if they know that you're a smoker. That means, you know, you are not going to live long, and chances are you may catch cancer, and that will be the end of you. And they don't want, at the end of the day, the insurance company is giving you life insurance, but they're in the game of making money. So well, who's going to tell me how much I need? Will the insurance company tell me how much I need, or should I, is this something I should figure out for myself? They're going to advise you on what they think you, but remember, these people that are giving you life insurance, they're not your financial advisors anyway. They're selling you an insurance plan. You know, it's like when you get auto insurance, you ask your audio insur auto insurance agent, you know, how much how much do I need to support myself? How much insurance do I need? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's an insurance at the end of the day. And you got to know your own state. Like I have insurance for my kids. Do my insurance, does my insurance cover all of my mortgages? No, it doesn't. It covers enough that they can manage my debt and they can pay for their education and and cover them and bury me. And, you know, we talk about burying the dead and maybe not even bury me, cremate me. But. Well, no, I was just going to jump in because I do have one stat that says if there's at least one person in your life that financially depends on you, whether it's a spouse, children, then you should have, they actually say you must have, 10 to 12 times your annual income worth in, of insurance. Right. And then, Dion, what is the percentage of people that actually have insurance in the U.S.? Uh, at the moment, it's 60%. Of the oh, population. Not so not bad. I mean, back in the 70s, there was a time when in the States, 90% of, of households had insurance. 90%? Yeah. There's quite a few stats as to why they feel that's dropped. Um, there right. was a major study done um, by uh, at the LIMRA, and there was the right. barometer, barometer study done in 2015. And basically said the, the major reason why most Americans you know, don't own insurance is cost especially the fact that many of them are misjudging what it actually costs to have insurance. Okay, so most people are deterred by the cost. But to really find out what your cost is, Sean, where do I need to go? You need to find, look, first research life insurance companies. There's a slew of life insurance companies, and I always believe in sticking with the reputable ones. And I don't want to name them, but the Prudentials, the Northwestern, the ones that are reputable, that you know that, that's common out there in the market, research them, go to different brokers, get a rate, let them, let them run some scenarios. They'll ask you some questions about your medical history, about your occupation and your age and so forth, and they'll be able to give you somewhat of a quote. And everything checks through in your medical, then that quote will kind of hold itself. So figure out you know, which one works the best. And, and, and one thing that we'll preach throughout this show, you're not tied into this life insurance for the rest of your life with one company. You can jump ship anytime you want and go to other companies and get different insurance as the rates get better. But you just want to make sure that you're insured. So once you get, once you get a different set of quotes, just like if you're getting insurance for a car, right. you want to go to Geico, you want to go to State Farm, you want to get a different quotes and see what they offer and see what the package contains and then make a decision. But you should work out, you know, what do I need to put away for my loved ones? Do I believe that you should, like, 
give them a million dollar policy and pay high premiums and make them millionaires when you die. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't know if you need to overinsure is what I'm saying. You know, you should make a, a number that's maybe not conservative, but that gives them a start and gives them something that they can build on, you know, and then make them aware of this policy and make them aware of, talk about what you would like to see them do with it, how they can invest it, how they can make this work as far as their next generation or what expenses they need to cover with it. And please, please let them know about the policy because I just watched 60 Minutes and there was a whole episode on these same top life insurance companies that I'm recommending you guys talk to about not letting beneficiaries know that they have insurance. So it's your responsibility to make sure that you tell your loved ones that I have a life insurance plan and here's my policy number in case something were to happen because nobody owes you anything. Nobody's going to run you down and say, here, come get your check. You have to take the liberty and say, hey, X so-and-so has passed away and I know that I'm a beneficiary. Let me file my claim. Because unfortunately, my mother didn't tell me of all the life insurance policies that we had. My sister and I had to kind of ramble through and assume the ones that we thought we knew. But I can't 100% guarantee you that I caught all the insurance policies. I hope I did. I hope there's nothing outstanding. But I'm not 100% sure. So I don't want you to fall victim to what I have fallen victim to. Not that, that little uncertainty that maybe we missed something. Yeah. I hear you, Sean. So you want to definitely choose a reputable company. And I have heard of Northwestern, by the way. And then you want to make sure your beneficiaries are aware that they are your beneficiaries. Now, Dion, what's another deterrent for insurance, life insurance for people? What's one of the other deterrents? I know you had a statistic that was really interesting. Well, it is quite interesting that four out of 10 people don't know how much life insurance they need to buy. Bingo. And that takes me to you, Sean. What's, isn't that part of the cycle of insurance? There's like a cycle you need to figure out which will help you determine how much insurance you actually need. Well, Arlington, in the beginning of your life, loss of income from death would be, you know, devastating. You have your high debt, you have mortgages, you have kids, dependents, dogs, cats, whatever. (laughs) But in your later years, you know, you get those kids out of your house. You still keep the dog around, maybe on dog three or four by now. And, uh, you know, you don't have as much debt. You've paid off your mortgage, so you don't need to have as much insurance. So as you get older, you should have, in theory, less insurance than when you're younger. That makes sense? Makes sense to me. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We're helping you get a life, life insurance. That's what we're talking about, people. Sean, there's basically two types of life insurance. Am I correct? Two types, two basic types. There's whole insurance and there's term insurance, Mr. Arlington. Would you be kind enough to explain term insurance to the people? Term insurance is very simple. It's just a death payout. You die, somebody gets a check. That's it. <laughs> now, can I, can I, can I? Short and sweet. <laughs> You die, you get a check. As a <laughs> lady that. with the facts, may I jump in just to kind of further clarify that term? Did you die, you get a check. But I'm, what I'm saying is, but it is for a term. So they come in 10, 20, 25, 30-year increments, for example. So I just wanted to put that out there. So wait, if you die within 10, 20, or 30, what happened, Sean? You get a check. <laughs> My mom died. I got a check. <laughs> what okay. else do you want me to tell you? And <laughs> I got a check. It had my name on it. Right. FBO, Beneficiary, right. Sean Linda. I cashed it. I ran to the Rasta Bank and cashed that thing one time before they changed their mind. I got a check. All right. What's whole insurance? Whole insurance is a whole different ball game. That's why they call it whole insurance. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. You're playing into not only a life insurance plan where you would get a check with somewhere to pass away, but you're also paying into an investment. 
So hopefully over the years, as you get older, this investment will mature and you can take out money and get annuity payments, dividend payments that can supplement your income in your senior year. So it's an investment as well as a, a death payout. So again, just to clarify, so versus term, which is for a term, whole life is for your entire life. So that it's actually also known as permanent insurance. Got you. Whole life's your whole life. Term life, you die, you get the check. Yeah, and you pay it term by term, year by year, you pay it. You get a letter in the mail, you owe me this money to keep you going for another year, and here's your money that's going to pay out if you die. This is what they get, and here's your beneficiaries. Very straightforward. Okay, I got you. And whole life, you were saying, Sean, has two components. One's a payout, and one is a... Investment. It's an investment. And you have no control in what they're going to invest in and how they're going to invest. You just hope that they invest in positive things and you're able to get pay in annuity payments as in your senior years. That's the whole theory behind it. And of course, it becomes more expensive than term and for those reasons. Okay. Because there's two sides of this coin, we're going to be going bouncing back and forth a little bit. What do you think are the positives of term insurance? It's cheap. <laughs> it's not expensive. <laughs> That's the number one thing. They, you know, they're saying if it costs you $100 a month for whole insurance, it'll most likely only cost you $7 a month for term. So wow, it's that much into, cheaper. It's that much cheaper, my brother. It's right. that much cheaper. Now, what happens at the... You get a term, like Dion said. What were the, what were the breakout years, Dion? 10, what, uh, 10 what? Typically 10, 20, 30-year uh, terms are the most popular. Okay, so... All right, Sean, I pick up one of these term years. I can do a 10-year, a 20 or a 30. What happens in year 11, year 21, or year 31? You got to renew it. You got to go in and take your medicals again. Make sure you're not smoking. Make sure you're healthy. And if you maintain that lifestyle of a healthy lifestyle, then your rate shouldn't be adjusted. And the only thing that a factor will adjust it is age. But if you decide to to not live a lifestyle, then it's going to affect your rate. So all that comes into determining you know, how much you pay for this premium. Yeah, but once you once your term comes to an end, Dion, don't they prorate that anyways? Because you're ten years down the line, you're twenty years down the line, you're thirty years down the line. Absolutely. So age does come into a, into play. Yeah, like here. I said, your only yeah. factor right. is the age. That's the only thing you can't control. You can control your diet. You can control your for somewhat quote unquote your health per se. And you know, but but what I'm trying to get at is more likely than not, not even more likely than not, your term is, your your rate is going to go up when that term exactly. comes Exactly, and there's a peak, in my opinion. There's a point where, when it does get to a point where you say, you know what, this is just really expensive and it's not worth it. If I'm 85 years old, still paying life insurance for my kids, I think that's an issue. You got to get to the point where right. now your assets outweigh your, your, li- your debt. So really, you don't need to, right. you don't need as much insurance anymore because you have a lot of assets and your kids are going to be okay. I get it. But when you start to talk about these terms, what we're getting back to is the fact that when your policy comes to an end, the premium will adjust as you try to renew. Whereas in whole life, you just pay one consistent premium throughout the whole thing. But a very high premium, I must say, compared to term. You know. Yes, that's because they're insuring your entire life. No, because they're putting and, they're and investing. there's a cash yeah, value the, component. You, and you hope it's a positive cash value. You don't know what they're investing in. I mean, I'd rather use that, the difference that I'd save between, they say it's a fact. If the difference that you save between paying whole versus life, if you just put it in conservative investment, you would outperform probably the life insurance policy anyhow. Yeah, but as we know from previous shows that we've done, half the country doesn't invest their money in anything. And they die with what? Like $10,000? We figured that in the Burying the Dead show. You know, 
this always justifying these actions. You know, we you need to take control of your own destiny. Like I say throughout the shows, like my mother let go of my hand to cross the street a long time ago. Okay, she doesn't hold my hand anymore to cross the street. You need people need to let go and understand that I need to take control. And you pay for these inefficiencies that you create in your life. These cost a premium. Yes. I totally agree, but I have another rebuttal to that. Did you know that during 2008, when the market crashed, 68% of investors put their money into whole life policies because the return on that policy is tax-free? But what you just said is, is, is a valid point because the market was pro- performing very poorly. That's why. But that exactly. was not, that was an yeah. outlier to what usually how the market performs. The market usually performs okay. Well, the market goes up. Yeah, and down. but that was when it was performed poorly, so people didn't want to take. They needed another place to to put their money in that's not going to lose value. But two thousand eight was a once in a lifetime thing that happened. But what about if you with term? One of the things that I always have a question about with term is it is for a specific period of time. So let's say I was. You know, Dion would suggest the longer the term, the cheaper the rate, right? So let's, right, Dion? That's correct. The longer the term? Okay. So let's say I take up a policy when I'm 40, I hold it in for 30 years. So now I'm 70 years old. I'm about to turn 71. My term has come to an end. I want to renew. They're going to spike my policy because I'm 70 years old. I I had the policy. I lived through the term and I got nothing. I got nothing. If if I had had all of that money in whole, I'd have money. I'd have value. What do you get with car insurance every year? If you don't get an accident, do you get a exactly. check? Exactly. It's that an insurance too. policy. That's it's an insurance <laughs> policy, and you can't look at it because you're saying, oh, there could have been some cash value, but you're paying an extra premium. You had you took away your disposable income that you could have been used to do other things with. So that's not a fair argument because this whole life, one people have to understand, and we need to communicate to them. If whole life and term life was the same premium amount, then we would all be getting whole, right? If whole life and term life was the same premium, we'd all be getting whole. Correct. Well, yes, yes. Got you. But it isn't. There's a huge discrepancy between the two. And what the, on average, yes. for every $100 you put into whole, it would only cost you $7 in term. That's a huge... And, and, and gentlemen, I did want to just point out one thing. Be careful because you need to read the fine print when it comes to whole life because they are riddled with fees. So keep that in mind. If you want to borrow money, just keep that in mind. Typically, it's about 6 to 8% to even take your money out. So the advisors do very well when they sell whole. They take a lot of commission off that too. So just keep that in mind. I think Dion does does make a, a great fact. There are a lot of fees involved with whole, but what people say is once you get past the first 10 years, you're basically just giving, you're putting money aside that's being invested and it's just growing. And you also have a death benefit in case you keel over. You're paying for that premium. You know, I totally get it, but it's better to, what's better, to pay for a premium or to have none? What's better is to invest in yourself. What's what? better is to invest and believe in yourself. But most people don't do that. Stop. We already know stop that. Stop undermining the American people. Most people don't do it. Most people. <laughs> I'm not undermining. I'm giving the facts. No. We gave these facts in the, in the stock market If show. I may point out, the Susie Ormans, yes. the Robert Kiyosaki's, um, 90% of financial advisors sell term. Yes, and, and, they, and they believe in investing the difference. I hear you. I think the Susie Ormans and all those financial advisors, yes, they suggest that people buy term because it's cheaper and invest their money in something else. But as we know, doing two black guys with good credit, most people don't do that. But what we also know is a lot of wealthy people invest in whole life policies because 
they like to use the cash valuation as a tax-free transference of wealth. Correct. And in those cases, I see the argument you can afford the premium and you're using it to transfer the wealth to tax-free. And I can see the advantage of doing so if you are the elite. No argument on that point. But if you are not the elite, like myself and you, then we have to think of other options. Hey, I see myself as elite. (laughs) Always. (laughs) But here's my question to you. Is there any part of you that feels like the selling of term life, it's like car insurance. You get it, you never crash your car, and every time you write the check, you're a little pissed off. I'm not really, you know... Like I said, my mother passing opened my eyes to this whole life insurance thing. So maybe before her passing, I may have been a little pissed. But now that I have, I, since I have, my mother has passed, I pay my life insurance for my kids with pride because I understand how simple the process is and how much it can accelerate you. I know, for, like, for example, I said in the last show, my mom, my sister used her life insurance payout to, to buy a property in Barbados that she uses now as an investment vehicle and it's earning in, extra additional income for her that she could pass on to her kids. So I, I, I right. proudly pay my term insurance premiums every year. Well, you know, you make up a great point because, Dion, what's the percentage of Americans that are, have life insurance? 60%. All right. 60% of Americans have life insurance. And most of them have what your mom had, Sean, which is group insurance. How you know about my mama? And what, you talking about, Willis? what you know about my mama? What you know about <laughs> you, my mama, man? What you know about my mama, man? Because I, what you because know? I know you. But your mom had insurance through her correct, job, right? Correct, she did, yeah. And most people that have insurance, that's the type of insurance they have. It's through their job. But as Dion said previously, group insurance tends to leave people underinsured, right, Dion? That is correct. Uh, nearly one-third of, of Americans believe they need more insurance. Group, group, yeah. group policies don't normally give you enough coverage. And there are websites we can go to to check our coverage, Dion. What are some of those? Well, Arlington, there is nerdwallet.com. If you need a calculator, for example, uh, select mm-hmm. quote is a good one uh, for different quotes on term insurance. Uh, net quote is another one where you can actually compare whole and term. Uh, as well as the, oh, that's good. Yeah, as well as the TIAA is a great resource as well. Well, there you go. We're giving you a little option. Sean and I are getting back or going back and forth, term versus whole life. Keep it locked here to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. We'll be back. Get a life, people. Life insurance. All right, Mr. Arlington. It's my turn to ask you some questions, okay? Okay. We've been preparing for this show for a couple weeks now, and I'm so lost as to what you are. Are you a whole life insurance person or are you a term life insurance person? What are you, man? Listen, man, I have weighed your argument strongly. I have weighed my research strongly. And I am actually in the process of buying life insurance. And what I've come to is I'm a hybrid guy. A what? And what I mean, I'm a hybrid guy. Oh, my God. What Do you I live in California? That, oh, my of course God, I, man. Of course I live in California. But I'm a hybrid guy, which means I would, if I'm buying a $500,000 policy, I would buy the larger portion of the policy as a term policy. And why? And Stop, I, why? Why would you do Because a term policy will cover you for a specific period of time at a lower rate. Okay. And then I would buy the balance in a whole life policy. Why is that? And the, Because in a whole life policy, if I lower the amount of the policy, it'll bring down the cost... In a- 
of my so it'll reduce your premium. My my it'll reduce my premium, but I will still get the benefit of paying that premium over that the my whole life and the benefit of the cash value of the investment portion. So you, in other words, want to hedge yourself. You want to make sure exactly. you have this stable term insurance, which is going to give you that straight payout in case when you kick the bucket. And then you right. want to know that, okay, you still have a little hole so that when you get old, you get a little dividend or new payment coming towards you in your retirement year is you, if you continue to live in your senior years, correct? Is that what you're trying to exactly. do? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things I like about, you know, I'm the guy that pays my car insurance. I haven't crashed my car in five years, maybe even more. Knock on wood. And so I'm like... You know, you're paying for something that I get no benefit from. You get insured. You get insured. Like, in case stuff does happen. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I know. But that's what I love about insurance, right? They insure you in case something happens. It's in case. Just in in case. Why don't I get to pay in case it happens? Well, we can have, we can do whole, whole auto insurance. Is that what you want to do? You want your insurance premium to go up? (laughs) You want to have have whole auto insurance? Then you'll do a whole show about why am I having whole auto insurance? Why am I paying for this investment? (laughs) Well, look, I'm not trying to dissuade people from insurance. I think it's very important. But like to answer your question, I'm a hybrid guy. Huh. Okay. I'm starting to understand your hybrid position, Arlington. It's not my position, but I'm understanding your hybrid position. So let's let's go to the end date now. You kick the bucket, you're dead. How does this payout thing work for whole? Here's where whole life kind of gets tricky. So you've had a whole life policy, let's say, for 30 years now. So now you've kicked the bucket. Your beneficiary, my wife, has a choice does she want to take the money that's accrued in what they call the cash value account? Or does she want the death benefit payout? She can't get both. What's the cash value? Explain the cash value. The cash value is you've been paying into this policy for 30 years. So after the first 10 years, the bulk of your payment goes into a pure investment. And that investment pays an annuity every year. Right. Right. That annuity, you can take it if you want, but they charge you a rate for taking it, or you can keep rolling it over, rolling it over. So 30 years down the road, I might have $100,000 in cash valuation. But then you have right? fees. That's what I don't like about fee, five-fold thumb. That's why I don't like these whole things, because well, the they're going to charge the- me to take my money. You know, that's yes, not like will- there's, a, there's a whole fee base in every... Whole insurance companies has a different set of fees, right? Different set of yes. games. And that's the unknown. What yes, are the that's fees? True. Well, this is what I'm saying to you. The fees are mostly paid in the beginning of the policy. They front load it with fees. And the reason they do that is most people that on average people that get whole life insurance tend to tend to miss payments within the first 10 years and they don't follow through. So it's really you have to stay in it in order to win it. But at the end of the day, you have a cash value, which is the money that they've invested for you that's accrued over time. And you have a death benefit. Your beneficiary, your beneficiary has to choose one of the two. They don't get both. So the idea of what's best for you is somewhere down the end of the line, you need to start taking out that cash valuation and utilizing it. Okay, Arlington, I'm, I'm seeing your points. I'm understanding it. You let to hedge yourself. And, you know, I think that's, that's great. And I've, I'm still fixated on term, but I understand your strategic point of view and I can't hate you for it. But here's my question. I'm a guy that, you know, I have a commitment problem. And, you know, I, (laughs) (laughs) okay. And I don't want to be committed to one company because in case that company, can I take my money, my, my 
whole term in life insurance and bring it to somewhere else and put it in another term? Can, is it transferable? Well, sadly, it's not. That's the challenge with whole life. You have to be in it to win it. And with the same people you, all the time, you right? You can't... Wake up to the same yeah, you, person, same morning breath every day, right? Every, every day. The only way you'll benefit with whole life is you have to stay with the same company the entire time. And boy, don't miss a payment. If you miss a payment, what happens? It's a wrap. It's over. It's over. And what about all the money I invested in? I put in. So for all the payments I made over the years. Gone... Gone, gone. With the win. All right, Dion, anything else to add? Well, in the words of F.C. Oviat, the foundation of life insurance is the recognition of the value of human life and the possibility of indemnification for the loss of that value. Does anyone understand what that lady just said? <laughs> She's a lady with the facts. She I can get deep sometimes. <laughs> I see that. All right, stay tuned to two black guys with good credit because I'm going to have to have Dion explain what that meant. All right, this week my bottom line is simple. Life insurance is a racket like most insurances. But you can win if you get in early, consider your options, develop a strategy, and proceed. You definitely have to stay in it to win it. If you're not, you're going to get played and not paid. Out. Ha ha. Ha ha. Sean? My takeaway is, as we title this show... Get a life. Get life insurance. Stop being selfish in this generation. Think about future generations. And also protect yourself, okay? So get a life. Well, there you have it. So if you have any other questions, please email us at twoblackguysgoodcredit at financiallyclean.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at twoblackguysgoodcredit. I'm Arlington, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and I'm out. I'm Sean, the second half, a better half of two black guys with good credit, and I'm out of here. And I'm the lady with the facts. See you next week. Ooh.